Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Snarky with Mike Feeney. I'm your host, Kylie Jenner. And we'll get to that in a minute. But first, uh, thanks for watching, everybody. Uh, I'm here with my trusty producer, Nicole Lyons. Hi. And uh, today we are drinking just, we're going back to episode one, the classics, the basics. We're going with a Mike's classic margarita. I even brought the shaker here because I made a little excess because something I like to uh, do is, is to indulge in excess. So we got ourselves, you know it, you love it, agave nectar, tequila, fresh lime juice, Grand Marnier, little coconut slash lime juice in there to give it a little uh, Caribbean feel. And we shake it all up and we, you know, we drink it all down. Nicole, how are you, you feeling about this margarita? It's so good. It'll never not be good. It's always, it's, it's consistently good. You heard it here first, folks. Um, before we get into the episode today, we do have to make an announcement of sorts. And it is funny because I can't, for some reason, I don't know why I'm smiling. This is like when someone falls and then you, but they're like really hurt, but you like still laugh because you're like, I'm worried, you know, whatever it is. But this is going to be the last episode of Snarky, which I know everybody just calm the hell down. <laughs> don't jump out the window just yet. Okay. Um, here's what it is. I have loved doing this the last six months. We've done 26 episodes, good half a year we've invested into this, and I'm proud of all the episodes, even the drunk casts, especially the drunk casts. However, um, there is a lot going on in my life right now, a lot of projects coming up, and uh, I have what the French would call no time at all. So I'm trying to uh, streamline things a little bit. So I'm starting to, oh, the window's open, Nicole. I forgot about that. Um, so I'm trying to, right in the middle of my big announcement, a siren comes in and just takes it away from me. This is what this podcast has been. Imperfectly perfect. Um, so I, uh, I'm now watching, oh, that worked out beautifully. Great job, Nicole. Um, so yeah, so unfortunately, I gotta like, I gotta streamline things. I gotta figure out, I need more, I need to free up some time. And I feel like I'm talking like I'm about to lay off factory workers. I'm like, I gotta, we have to streamline our organization and help focus in a new direction. And, um, so yeah, so this will be the last episode, but let's not be sad, you know, for the love of God, don't be sad because you've got 26 hours of this that'll always live up on my YouTube channel. You can watch it uh, whenever you want. This is just a lot of work to do every week. I know that I obviously make this look so effortless and uh, incredibly easy to do, but it's a lot of work. And Nicole's traveling from Jersey City. I got to come up with stuff. But here's, tell me how apropos this is. As the last episode, I t episode one, I started on the front page of this, okay? And now, the final episode is the final piece of paper, you guys. How symbolic. Someone start playing Green Day. I hope you had the time of your life, because this is, this is a perfect, you know. Um, that's actually not the name of that song. What is the actual name of the song, Nicole? Good Riddance. Good Riddance. People get very upset. The Green Day community gets very upset when you're like, play that song. I hope you had the time of your life. And they're like, it's good riddance. And then in parentheses, time of your life. <laughs> I could feel Nicole's teeth gnashing back there. Um, so, so that's what this is. So I'm sorry to those, uh, those diehards who watch the show every week. But also, you're welcome. 26 weeks, fun content. Nicole's killing it. And uh, Nicole, how do you feel? Um, it's definitely bittersweet. It is a lot of work, but it's been so much fun. But 
it's weird because I still get to see you every week, so it's not like we never get to like yeah. speak ever again. If so. anything, this is a big loss for you because you're not seeing Jeet every week. It really is. That's what you haven't factored in yet. That's what's going to really crush you. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know how to respond. That kind of just shook me. <laughs> I, I didn't really think about that. I do really look forward to seeing Jude every week. Yeah, you usually just mush my face and go right towards him when you walk in. And I don't blame you. I would do the same thing. Here's how I would equate this to anyone who's upset. This is, or, and, I, and I think there's maybe two of you who are. The rest of you are like, oh, yeah, sure, it makes sense. Uh, the rest of you, let's just treat, I'm going to treat this like this is Freaks and Geeks, the TV show. We had one season. It was underappreciated in its time, and in years from now, people will go, God damn, that they were onto something. And so perhaps, perhaps, perhaps. But let's make this episode a good one. I'm drinking, um, you know, this margarita, which, by the way, I, I may or may not have made just a little bit stronger than normal. Um, not, not too much stronger, but enough to where it's really going out with a bang. I'm excited today. Later on, I'm going to see... Glassjaw, which was a band, a Long Island hardcore band, that they're doing like a 20-year reunion of, of playing their albums. I'm going to see it in Brooklyn with Luis J. Gomez. It's going to be crazy. It's like, it's very nostalgic thing. So this is a very, this is a very weird day for me, you know? But um, let's get into some of the stuff you know and love about the show. Like, for instance, Kylie Jenner, who has announced formally that her child will no longer be called Wolf. Her, her child's name was Wolf at one point, and she's announced that the child, he didn't feel like a wolf, is what she said. Um, and so she's now going to name him something else. They haven't announced what that is. His full name was Wolf Webster, which is just like that. Tell me that isn't, tell me you don't picture a wolf in a detective suit, you know, like in like a, in like a Sherlock Holmes outfit, just like solving crimes with one of those little Sherlock Holmes hats and a pipe. Wolf Webster sounds, um, it's the perfect combination of aggressive and nerdy. I think that might actually be the perfect name. Wolf Webster, that's, that's pretty great. But what she is doing is she's putting so much pressure on the kid and his new name because they're like, he doesn't seem like a wolf. I know he's just like, you know, he's like, he's like a baby, but he doesn't feel like a wolf. We're going to change it. So now whatever they change it to, he has to feel like that. And it's like, what could it? If, does he feel like a tucker? Like, that'll be a shitty, that'll suck. Imagine you were like, yo, I was born wolf, and then my family renamed me to Charles. That sucks, you know? I don't, I also don't like, I don't, I don't like how she did it on Instagram. I don't like that she did a whole, like, everybody, like, I just want everyone to know we're no longer calling him. Like, it's this whole, it becomes this whole, like, everybody's attacking me for pictures of Wolf, and I got to keep telling them it's not Wolf, you know? Um, I don't know. But if they do change his name to Tucker, but he keeps the same baby clothes, is he a Tucker in Wolf's clothing instead of a sheep, a wolf in sheep's clothing? Huh? Is that something, Nicole? How much more time do we have? Yeah, I kind of like Wolf Webster. It kind of feels like Peter Parker or like one of those names yeah. of someone who would be in like a comic. An undercover superhero. Yes. Mm. Maybe that'll be my name when I like check into hotels, like an anonymous. Like I like when people have like, like pseudonym, uh, not pseudonyms, but like fake names, pseudonames. No, that's not what I'm thinking of, is it? Probably not. Um, but you know what? I didn't like how this whole thing was handled, so I'm going to give one final fuck that person to Kylie Jenner. I mean, how many 
fuck that person's have I given to the Kardashian family. I feel like almost all of them, but they're deserving. And while we're at it, let's throw one final leave that person alone out there. Leave that person alone guy who's not doing the podcast anymore. (laughs) I don't know. We tried to come up with a leave that person alone. We couldn't really think of anybody, but this does seem... You know, this does seem apropos, you know, and and thank you all uh, for the memories. This is the, I'm going to keep going back to that Green Day song. But um, speaking of Jeet, I I don't know if we, please tell me, we didn't talk about this last time, Nicole, but I'm so obsessed with dogs, like instincts and their DNAs. And like, for instance, how dogs have to spin around. We didn't talk about this, right? Like when they're settling in to take yes, a nap? Yes, No, we didn't. So every dog, you know, circles three or four times as a little thing and before they lie down. Now, that why they do that, they believe, is because they're kind of spreading their scent around and kind of clearing area for them to lay down. So it's kind of a thing that they do, which it's like, I get that. Um, but also, they weren't taught that. Like, Jeet's... Parents didn't teach him how to do that. So how does every single dog in existence have that instinct to do it and then make the choice to be like, you know what? I could just lie down, but doesn't feel doesn't feel good. I'm gonna I'm gonna go, I'm gonna give it three or four circs and then I'm gonna I'm gonna pop plop down. I think maybe dogs just have OCD. Do you think that's what it is? Where they're like, Got to spin around three times, turn the lights on, turn the lights off, turn the lights on, turn the lights off, and then we get to lay down. And then that's how we do it. Like every single time, it's so crazy. Like there's no instinct I can think of as humans that all of us have at the, that like where we all make the exact choice. You know, it's like, we yes, yes, we have to go to sleep, but we all don't go to sleep the same way. We don't sleep in the same position. Every dog does the circle, 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 and plop. And that's very cool to me. Is that not cool to you? Yeah, this is probably one of my favorite topics, like weird things that dogs do. And I've looked up probably every single one of them. But one of my favorites is like, why does every dog stare at you while they're pooping? Oh, that I know, too. They said it's because they feel vulnerable to attack. So they need you to like be a lookout. And I always do this, which is like, this just proves like what a mental patient dog owners are is like, this is what I do. When I see him looking at me, I do this. I go like... (laughs) Like I, I, I give him like a, I got you, dude. Don't worry. Like I like put my arms out. I'm like, you're, you're safe, dude. I'm going to, I'm going to make sure no one comes up and attacks your neck while you're, while you're pooping. So yeah, look up more, maybe some more things dogs, um, do, but, uh, I don't know. I, I, maybe it is OCD though. Maybe dogs all have dogs have some sort of, like, maybe that's why G tries to eat everything off the ground. He just has an OCD about living in a very clean neighborhood. So he's like, I don't want. I don't want any of this on the ground. Pick it up, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. Come on, clean after yourself. Let's go. He's a neat freak. Maybe that's what he is. Maybe he's one half of the odd couple. I'm not sure. But I do like that they all make that decision. That is very fascinating to me. Can you think of anything as humans that we all decide to do the exact same way? This is a a weird thing maybe that I don't know if you can relate to, but a lot of people I've talked to have also done this. When you were a kid on like a car ride, that you would pretend that there was like someone running next to you while you're in the car, like jumping on the power lines and stuff like that. So yes, but um, it was, I had that, but I didn't like, 
like see an imaginary person. But what I did do is I like to have my arm out the window and then I use these two little guys as just little runners. You know what I mean? So they're just, they were just running along as fast as the car would run and they're like jumping over stuff and go like do 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 little hurdles and stuff. That was very fun to do. That yeah. I did. So that's not like an instinct, but no one told us to do that. And it's just kind of like, and no one really talks about that they do that, but it's just something we all kind of do for some reason. And it felt right. Yeah. My aunt would not let me do that. She was insistent that my arm was going to be amputated and like ripped off my body if I ever put my arm out the window. So she would put the child lock up and never let me put my arm out the window. And it's like, first off, how close are you driving to other things that like, wouldn't it take off the side view mirror too if you're just sideswiping cars left and right? It was very upsetting. Um, but she didn't let me do that. I don't know. Did you have ever any family who was like, overly cautious do you have like an overly cautious family member well we did i don't remember who said this if it was like one of my parents or one of my friend's parents that it was like a classic story that somebody's family member or a friend of a friend had happened to that it was like a guy who was driving around with like a a watch or some bracelets on with his arm out the window and someone cut his arm off to like get the jewelry (laughs) that is 100 (laughs) percent A, a urban legend to get you to not put your arm out the window. Right, exactly. So, I mean, it's something I think about quite often. Well, and tell me if you do this, Nicole, because now you're in a new apartment, and this is something that I very embarrassingly learned this week. So you know your oven, right, Nicole? Picture your oven. Everybody picture their oven at home. And then you know the drawer in the bottom of the oven? Mm-hmm. The one that folds down um did you know that is not for storing your pots and pans um isn't it like part of the oven it's like the broiler or something it is the broiler but you're supposed to cook food down there that's where you broil food it's not where you i thought the broiler flame was down there and then it goes up into the oven so for the last i don't know 12 years we've just had we've just been fucking lighting our pots and pans on fire down in the broiler while we were broiling stuff and cooking the stuff in the oven and just the residual heat from that would go in there and uh yeah i mean i can't believe all of the things down there have like melted grips on them now and all that stuff but who's cooking food where their ankles are you know what i mean like that doesn't seem like a place to put food but it is a perfect place to put a pan i don't know i know it's a I know it says broiler, but it doesn't say like, put your broiling products in here. It just is like, I thought that's just where the flame was. And then I would store the, do you not store your pans and stuff in the, in the broiler? No, I definitely did. And I was like, why are these just boiling hot when I try and take them out? And then I realized what it was, but initially I did store stuff down there. Now, do you cook food in the broiler? I don't think I've ever done it, um, but I'm sure there's value in doing that. Yeah, I mean, to broil is the value, I believe. <laughs> I mean, that would be the... I've. It turns out I've never broiled anything that I've ever thought I've broiled. I've just cooked it in off-heating in my, uh, through my oven from residual heat. So I guess I'm some sort of idiot, I suppose. But I don't know. It's, um, it's weird. I'm falling apart, Nicole. I'm falling apart. My, I, I'm officially old um, because I had to... This this even hurts to say as as an adult, but I had to go to my first podiatrist appointment, which just saying podiatrist, I feel gray hair is sprouting from the side of my head now. 
Um, I've been having this foot problem where it feels like my, ever since the cruise, and it turns out walking in shoes with no support on hardwood for like miles at a time around the ship um, can mess up your foot. So I feel like I have like a bone bruise sort of situation. But just to go to a podiatrist is like, no one in there is under 50. You know what I mean? Like I walked in and they were like, hi, sir, are you lost? And I was like, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> and then the podiatrist I had, he was a younger guy. He was probably in his like mid thirties or whatever, late thirties. But can I tell you when I, when I say he was, picture what a podiatrist's personality would be. That was this guy. I mean, just, just a foot doctor personality. Just I guarantee vanilla is his favorite flavor of ice cream. You know, just tapioca pudding. Fine. Not a bad person by any means, but just like just loose leaf paper, you know, just a boring, you know, egg sandwich, no cheese, no condiments, just egg on a roll, please. You know, just dry, just dry. Have you ever been to a podiatrist, Nicole? I haven't, but in like a similar vein of just feeling way too old for my body, I did have kidney stones once. Ooh. Yeah. That's one of my biggest fears is getting kidney stones. It sounds truly the worst. It sounds way worse for men, I will say, than for women. Yeah, I don't know. One of my guy friends had it too, but he got like medication to pass it. But unfortunately, I did not and just passed them all at once. So, But that's based on your diet, right? I don't know. I mean, it happened when I was in college, so I'm sure it had something to do with like drinking a drop of water per week and just eating yes. pizza and drinking and all that stuff. But it happened during like a final exam and I had to go to the bathroom right when I got there. I was like, oh, I'll just go pee right before the test and then come back in. And then I was just trapped in the bathroom. I emailed my professor off the toilet. I was like, I'm sorry. This sounds like an excuse, like off my phone. And I was like, I am currently like trapped in the bathroom. Were you I think screaming? Um, no, I, I felt like I was going to like throw up and pass out for sure, but it was, uh, it was not fun. And then my professor took that opportunity to tell everyone that I had kidney stones and like laugh about it. Now, when you are passing the kidney stone, first off is this, these are all very dumb questions. Um, number one, is your kidney in pain or do you feel it in your kidneys or it just comes from there? Like, are you like, ah, my fucking, you know, or is it just you're focused on the incredible pain of a little pebble traveling through your urethra. I think so. So it like I it's kind of like I don't know if you've ever had a UTI. Probably not. I haven't. I'm I'm the cleanest boy this side of the county. Uh, but you're so it like burns to pee, but your back also hurts, which I think is probably related to yeah, the kidneys. For sure. Yeah. So. And now, when you pass the kidney stone, did you get the relief of like, and and not only did you get the relief, but did you hear like a little like. Like, did it like, did it like the little pebble hit the water and it was like, yeah, like satisfying? I don't think so. It was pretty small because I didn't even really like realize what was happening until I went in like hypochondriac mode and Googled and was like, why does this hurt way more than it's supposed to? Oh yeah. I had, before I saw the podiatrist, I had stage six foot cancer yesterday. (laughs) I was, I was dead to the world. I was like, well, this is the end. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh my God. No kidney stones. Seems truly. I did have appendicitis, which is you know nothing like it. But that's my worst fear. Oh man, it just a just an appendage you don't need exploding inside of your body. And also, it's like a, it's like a balloon that's blowing up. And if you let it pop, all of the bile and all the like toxins inside there could kill you. So I was like, I was with my dad. We would we'd gone into the the city to, to go to a concert, and 
I had, uh, I don't know if I talked about this. I might have talked about it. I always get confused what podcast I've, I've done so many different podcasts. I forgot what I've talked about on what, but I was, we went to go see uh, John Entwistle, who was the bassist for the famous band, The Who. And he actually, ironically, that was his last concert ever. He died the next day, John Entwistle. Ironically, from kidney stones. No, um, but he was, uh, he, we saw him, then we went back to Long Island we got into, it was like a night of hell where like I started feeling like this cramping, uncomfortable pain during the concert. And I kept like getting up to pee and I was like, maybe I have to go to the bathroom. And it wasn't that. And I was like, it just kind of, it's like, feels like a, a cramp. And then it's just getting stronger and stronger. Then we go back to the city. I mean, we go back to Long Island. We're in like a full, like the whole LIE is like shut down. Like a crash has happened. It's like a terrible, like it's never happened this bad before in the history of the world. And so they, people were backing off the highway and people were like turning around and driving the opposite way on the highway, going off the on-ramps, which is what we eventually did. It was like us and 36 other cars. And a police officer came and just wrote every single one of us tickets. So we were just sitting in bumper to bumper traffic. All of like my dad got a ticket for going down and off for an on ramp, which was crazy because again, all these cars were doing it. Then they let us, you know, he, we finally get past. Now my, my stomach's hurt even more. We stop at a gas station and my dad, his, he's like trying to reverse into a parking spot uh, into the gas station spot where you got to like do a three point turn. And he backed into a like ninja motorcycle, like one of those like ones like that backs into it. And then I guess when he backed into it, it like got hooked on like the license, something got hooked on something. So when he started driving forward, the bike fell over and my dad was dragging this dude's bicycle who, by the way, was just like black RoboCop. Like this dude was dressed in like the fucking craziest stuff. And he comes over and he starts screaming and he starts fucking punching the back of my dad's windshield. Like he's like starts punching it and punching it, shatters the windshield. Actually, I shouldn't say shatters it, spider webs it. You know what? It just fucking gets all spider web. Breaks the back of my dad's windshield, starts screaming at my dad. My dad still like isn't sure what's going on. I'm... Then the guy, then my dad gets out. He's like, what the fuck are you do?" These guys starting getting into a screaming match. There's like four other bikers who come over and start yelling, I'm screaming. Cause I'm like, my dad's dying here. Like my dad's going to die. And then the police had to come to that. And then, so now we're there. Like this is, we left the, the show three hours ago at this point. We're still not home. It's like one in the morning. These guys, my dad and this guy's being separated. My dad, it was so funny. I remember this so clearly. When my dad and this guy was like arguing, he's like, you just fucked up my bike. Like, I'm going to fuck you up. And my, he like went to grab my dad. And my by the way, this guy was 25 years younger than my dad, taller than my dad, in better shape than my dad. Like, absolutely stood no chance of victory if they were to physically fight. And I remember the guy went to grab my dad and my dad just went, get your fucking hands off me. And I was like, yeah! <laughs> like, it was just such a just such a good thing where someone was like, you know what? I don't care if I get my ass kicked. You're not fucking touching me, dude, you know? And so then the cops have to come and now it is like hours go by and, you know, whatever. They exchange insurance information or whatever. They decide to leave. And my dad, now I'm in like, really bad pain in my side. But again, because of the night of everything that's going on, 
it's kind of like a, I'm treating it like a headache where I'm like, I don't know what this is. This will go away. And we go to leave the gas station and we like, it's, it was like a, a steep uh, sidewalk curb kind of a thing. And as we go over the sidewalk to go back into the street, the bottom of the car kind of like bottoms out a little bit. And when it goes, dink, I mean, the entire back windshield just falls into the back seat of the car. I mean, like, 40 to 50,000 pieces of glass. I mean, it just, it was one of those things where it felt like Homer, the Homer Simpson episode of the, uh, of the Simpsons where they go to New York City and he's just like, everything's going wrong. And they're like, Dad, can we come back? And he's like, we'll see, honey, we'll see. And there's like garbage hitting him in the face. That's what that night was, which is just like, now my, my dad doesn't have a back windshield. By the way, it was like cold. So it was like, we we're freezing driving home. We get back to my dad's house. I go to bed. My dad's like, I guess, like trying to figure out insurance information. I wake up the next day at, because I was supposed to have karate, Tiger Shulman's karate, at like 11.30 or 12. And I was the biggest, I'm the biggest sleeper you've ever met. Even to this day, I could, if you don't set an alarm, I won't wake up. And it's as simple as that. I think I might have bitten, bitten by a fucking tick when I was a kid and I have Lyme disease forever. I don't know. I'm very exhausted. So I wake up at like 7 a.m., which is immediately I come downstairs and now I'm doubled over. I can't even walk right. And my dad instantly knows something is terribly wrong because I have never been up this early in my entire life. And he's like, immediately, what's going on? What's going on? I go, I don't know, my stomach's killing me. I'm in so much pain. So he takes me to the hospital. And just when I got to the hospital, I was walking down the hallway, hardcore limp, walking down the hallway to the office to be examined. And the surgeon or doctor, whatever, saw me walking and was like, you have appendicitis. Like before I even walked in the room, like he could just tell by the way I was walking. And he tried to like put pressure on my thing, which felt terrible. And uh, I was freaking out because it was the first surgery I ever had in my life. So I, I think I was you know, like a 12 or 13. I was like, you know, I was young enough where it was, you know, it was pretty terrifying. So I, I was saying I wasn't going to get the surgery until all of my family was there. Like I was making demands. Like I, like I had no concept of like, and so we did the, they did the appendicitis right before my appendix burst. Like it hadn't burst yet, but it was like, they said it was a matter of like hours and until it, it burst. So um, I got to it in time, thankfully, but man, that, that recovery from that, even though it was only like, I think probably a day or so, being in the hospital and like, you know, your family comes to see you. And I don't know. I remember I was in, um, I came in out of, out of the anesthesia, out of surgery, right? And I was in recovery. And the first thing I like opened my eyes and see was like my uncle and my dad and um, my aunt, and I think my mom. And they were all like literally like standing around the bed over me. and. You know, they're like, how you doing, champ? How's it going? Like all those other stuff. And I'm just, you know, it was groggy, whatever, fell back asleep. So then when I'm in my room later on, you know, when the family came back in to see me, they were like, how do you feel? How do you feel? And I was like, oh, I remember like when I woke up, like I remember and I pointed to my dad. I was like, you were there. And I pointed to my uncle. I was like, and you were there and you were there. And I started pointing to that. And then my dad starts doing an impression of me as the Wizard of Oz, where it's like, and you were there and you were there and you were there and you were there. And it's like killing in the room. Like everyone in the room is laughing so hard and it's making me laugh. But if you laugh right after you get appendicitis, it feels like you're being stabbed multiple times. And so I kicked everybody out of my room, very upset. And uh, and from there, 
you know, we we went and uh, that was that. So that was a hell of a night. So um, it was kind of like kidney stones, I guess. Yeah, that truly is my worst fear. Anytime I have like a single stomach cramp or gas, I think it, that it's just the end. It's got to be on your your left side. Like if it's on the left side, right near your hip, that's that's when you know you got problems, Nicole. Um, it's so funny because I Google that every single time what sides it's on and I, I just never remember. Yeah, it's your left. I know that because I have a scar and a never-ending feeling of emptiness in this part of my uh, this part of my body. Um, everybody, please, uh, speaking of emptiness, don't have to worry about leaving a five-star review. I'm not going to ask to comment for the algorithm uh, this week. Instead, I'm going to ask you, to come see me live, MikeFeeneyComedy.com. I'm going to be headlining uh, Soul Joel's in uh, Pennsylvania on the 22nd of April. Um, uh, Cannon was supposed to do it. He's doing. He's got another gig now, so I'm taking slipping right into that, bringing Brendan the Sneaky Raccoon Sagalo along with me. That'll be fun. I'm going to be in April before that. For uh, I'm going to be in April. I'm going to be in Los Angeles in April before that uh, for a good uh, seven or eight days. I'm doing shows at the Comedy Store. I'm doing a bunch of uh, pretty popular shows. Sorry about that. Out there in L.A. So check my Instagram and Twitter for dates on that. I'm going to announce that uh, probably right in the beginning of April. And twitch.tv slash NY Fresh Maker. Check out Here's a Scenario. Check out patreon.com slash scenario pod. Help support the gang. And uh, Nicole, where can people find you? Nicole C. Lyons on Instagram. Yes. And listen, and uh, if you're not already subscribed, if for some reason you watch this every week and you're not subscribed to my YouTube channel by now, what's going on? You know what? If you're not subscribed to my YouTube channel and you watch this every week, you're the reason I'm not doing this anymore. Just you. Just singularly the you who is not, who's like, I just watch it. I don't like to press the subscribe button. It takes a long time or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, again, and I and again, I have to thank everybody for watching the show because it does it does make me excited when people a lot of people have been finding it recently and telling me that they they really enjoy it and they love the rants and it's someone said I was like I was I was like uh, Super Saiyan Fini or like I reached my final form through this snarky which is great and I'm gonna take this with me I have a bunch of other projects I want to shoot it's very exciting I have some other things um, that I have in the works so I, I'm gonna be still putting out a ton of content on my YouTube channel it's gonna be it might not be weekly hour-long podcast, but I'm going to do like small, like one-off web series and things like that. So believe me, it's worth, it's worth for free pressing subscribe for a half a second. So that's that. And uh, yeah. And what, uh, what else do we have to talk about here? Now I, I, I've, I, we touched on this and here's a scenario very briefly, but I really wanted to go into it on this show, which is if you are in college right now and you're watching this or even high school, let me tell you the best place to be in a house party. If you're at a house party and a keg party, there's only one spot you need to be. Trust me when I say you want to be the party keg pumper. That's what you want to do. Get a chair, preferably with another friend. If you and you, one of your, because otherwise it could get a little lonely. But if you and your boy are just, you could get two chairs Sit by the keg, whether that's downstairs in the basement, outside in the backyard, and you're at this big, loud keg party. A lot of times people will be like, oh, I don't want to like miss out on all the other action. Here's the thing. It's the best position for a number of reasons. Number one, first and foremost, most importantly, you have immediate access to the booze. Usually the keg party, someone gives you $5, you get a cup. Uh, you give them $5, you get a cup, and then you can fill it up until the keg is kicked, which is great. You know, Everybody wins in that situation. However. 
if you go over and all of a sudden you're on a 30 person line for beer, the keg guy doesn't know what he's doing. You get a half a cup of foam. You got to go right back to the back of the line. It's a nightmare. Okay. So you have immediate access to the booze. Most important. Secondly, you get to have quick conversations with a lot of people. Okay, so because everyone's walking in just while they're doing it, hey, how's it going? If there's women that you like, you get to flirt with them. If there's dudes, you can fucking be like, what's up, bro? How you doing? And now here's what's, I think, most important. You have ultimate power. Okay, none of these people can walk up to you and be like, here, pussy, fill up my cup, because then you just break their cup and you go, oops, you know, and then you're done. You have everyone has to be nice to you because you're the purveyor of the alcohol. If you if they're an asshole to you, you just pump it four extra times and give them a cup of foam and go, have fun, fucko, you know, and you do that. I like to just be like, you know, everyone's treating you nice. The girls are flirting with you. The guys are being like, hey, bro, how are you? Fucking cool, dude. Can I get one more for my bro? That you're the best, dude. And now you're remembered around college as that guy who's fucking being like, that guy hooked me up with those beers. Yeah, I fucking like this dude. And because people don't realize People like people who are like, you know, who can help them in some way. So if you, if I, like, they may not know anything about me, but they'll be like, I like that Feeny kid. I don't know, really know why. I think it's because of his personality. No, it's because I poured you four beers, you fucking asshole, you know? So that's the best place to be. And also, you're the first person to know when the party's over. Because the second that keg kicks, it's just a matter of time before it goes away. And I, and I regret, and I only tell this to people because I regret not doing this more times in college. I don't think I figured this out until like my last year in college. My first couple of years, I was like, let me go room to room, try and talk to people. But then it's awkward. You're like, I don't know what to do. I'm in the corner. I don't know some people. My friends are in a conversation over there. I don't know who these people are. That guy's doing coke. Like everyone is, it's a weird situation, you know? Nicole, did you ever go to keg parties? Yeah, I actually have a good story about this. Yeah. It's, it's quick, but um, so Chris and I actually started dating like freshman year of college, but broke up briefly because he was pursuing a fraternity and other things more important than a relationship at the time. Okay. Is that his words or your Yeah, words? I won't dive into it, but he did say something like that. Um, but anyways, so his- I really like you, but I am pursuing things much more important than you at the moment. <laughs> but if I get, if none of those things work out- I'll be right back. You know, that kind yeah, of thing. And here we are. And but, here we are. Yeah. So his, he was like a pledge at the time and his frat was having a party for Halloween. So he was the keg guy. And this was probably my first time seeing him since we broke up. However, it was also Halloween and mm. I was dressed as Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec, a.k.a. <laughs> Nick Offerman with like a full wig and mustache. Um, and wearing like a little boy's like dress suit from Walmart. You would be the, I, I, you would definitely be, I never would I ever picture Nicole to be like, I'm the slutty witch or something like that. Like I always picture you to be like the, like Pam Beasley in the office who dresses as like Charlie Chaplin, you know what I mean? Like full shoe polish face, all that kind of stuff. Yes, exactly. I just DM'd you a video of me as Ron Swanson, but yeah, so I had to like go like say hello for the first time and get beer from him dresses Ron Swanson. And I'm pretty sure he was like Cupid in a diaper or something. <laughs> Who is this? <laughs> Who is this? I've never ever seen. I first off, whoever's confidence this is, 
I want you to wear this mustache and hair forever. Loop this above my shoulder for the rest of the episode. <laughs> this is the funniest thing I've ever seen you do. Just the the swagger, <laughs> confidence, and you also chewing gum, I guess, while drinking is so funny. Yeah. Right. So, it. It, I mean, it was probably one of my favorite costumes I've ever done because well, it was, also, it was tough because a lot of people thought I was Ron Burgundy. Mm. So that was like a little bit of a confidence hit, but it was so comfortable and I had like great pockets and I was warm and cozy. <laughs> great pockets. Yeah. Cause when you're, if you don't dress like that on Halloween, like if you're wearing like a bikini, where are you going to put like your phone and your ID and all that stuff? These you know? are important things. Yeah. So it was great, but it definitely wasn't super fun to like go say hello to Chris dressed like that. Yeah. For sure. uh, did you try and do a fun bit where you're like, fellow sir, how are you? Or something like that. Fellow <laughs> sir. <laughs> Give me all the eggs and bacon you have. Yeah, yeah, He's like, yeah. This is a Do you want to go chop down a tree after this? I'm, <laughs> I'm feeling, I'm feeling manly. I may mow the lawn, you know. Yeah, it was tough. I do. My best costume, I think, I ever did was uh, I had a couple good ones. One time in college, I had this like it was like a shark, like the the costume is like a shark eating you. So like you step through it and there's like a mouth on one side of you and a mouth on the other. And I like didn't wear a shirt, so it's just like. My little skinny torso and my nipples are out. And I'm like, I kept, anytime someone wanted to take a picture of me, oh, they had to be like, ah, like as if I was being eaten. It was very fun. Um, but I, the best one I did was Lieutenant Dangle, uh, for sure. Like I dressed as from Reno 911, the Tom Lennon character. He's got very short shorts. And I would just go around and I was writing tickets to people during the whole house party being like, you know, if someone was being a drunk asshole, I would like be like for being a drunk asshole. And I'd like put it on their face while they were passed out. Like I just I was writing tickets all night. It was very, very fun. Um, I actually had a fake like ticket thing. Like it looked like an, an orange ticket thing. So I was giving citations to people and stuff. It was very fun. And then there was also the time which um, Brendan and company Greg Stone specifically would not agree was very fun. But I dressed up as Tony Clifton, uh, the Andy Kaufman character, who was a kind of like fat suited, um, you know, abrasive lounge singer and who talked in the third person and was a complete asshole. And I, for whatever reason, was like, if I'm going to dress up like Tony Clifton, I'm going to stay in character the entire night, which is something I've never done in my life. But I had like the wig and I had the fucking uh, the big glasses on and I had the lounge suit and I had this big blue pillowy shirt on that I stuffed actual pillows in. So I looked, I didn't even look like myself. And for so, there were so many people who had no idea who I was the entire night. And I was like, and I got to tell you, the more you stay in character, it's intoxicating. Cause you could start, to, I was like telling people what I really thought about them under the guise of they were like, Oh, that's Tony Clifton. All right. Like I was like, I never thought you were funny, you know, or whatever it was. And then there, you know, but the more you like get into the confidence of being like, I'm just this arrogant asshole. I get to do this, whatever. It was so liberating and so freeing. And there was some times like I invited Greg to, I was like, let's go to the New York comedy club, the stand up New York Halloween party. So Alex Pavone up there, this other comedian, I saw him at stand up New York and he's like, who is that? Who is, he's like, is that Mike Feeney? And I kept being like, it's Tony Clipper. That's how he talks. I was like, what are you talking about? Get out of my face. You know, that kind of thing. And then I went down to New York comedy club and they were, and he was like, dude, are you at, uh, he was still at stand up New York. And he goes, dude, are you Tony Clifton? He texted me and I go, 
no, what are you talking about? And he goes, I'm at Stand Up New York right now, and there's a dude here dressed as Tony Clifton. But I had just left Stand Up New York and just got to New York Comedy Club. So I texted him a selfie at New York Comedy Club, and I was like, what are you talking about? And he was like, what the fuck, dude? There's somebody here that I thought was you. I was talking to this guy the whole time. So it was just hilarious. And then Greg Stone showed up, who I convinced, I convinced him to leave his apartment and come into the city to go to the Halloween party. And then I just stayed in character as Tony Clifton the whole time. And he was so mad at me. He's like, I came in for Mike Feeney and I got Tony fucking Clifton. He's like, I'm so pissed. And then, you know, at one point, one of the bookers of, uh, the Booker of New York Comedy Club, like rolled her ankle in such a tremendously bad way that it was like blowing up and she had ice. And I like, walked over and was like expressing concern, but also still as the character where I'm like, ah, yeah, I hope you feel better. You know, like, <laughs> like anything. and then I just eventually left and um, had fully lost my mind. And people will, people have still talked about that. Like Stefano was like, I thought you had a mental break. Like, I didn't know what happened, but he was like, but here's the thing. Everybody hated, like a lot of people hated it at the time. But other people would be like queuing me up. They'd be like, Tony, what do you think about this guy? Or, or people like, Tony, what do you think of Mike Feeney? Like they're trying to like fuck with me and get me to break. And I wouldn't break for anything. And then people were like, I actually respect it. You know, if you don't break, even if they hate it, they fucking respect it. Because nothing's worse than someone doing like an impression of someone. And then they're like, no, no, sorry. It's, it's Mike. I, 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 just, I was doing the thing. It's, that's the worst. You know, you either got to fully commit or not commit. I gotta find the picture of me as Tony Clifton. It's pretty crazy, Nicole. Yeah, please do. That's like the best part of that, though, I think, is just fully committing to it and taking it that far is yeah. what makes it so fun. I mean, whatever that dance you did was, was <laughs> is not 1% Nicole Lyons, which is great. <laughs> Nor is it Ron Swanson, so no. I, don't, I don't know who did that's, that. That's drunk Binghamton woman uh, <laughs> who's dressed up wearing a mustache. That's my costume for all the other days of the year. Oh, man, that would be great. I would love for you to produce the show one time as that. That would be fun. Um, we got so many... We have a good amount of stuff. Hero, I was thinking we didn't have stuff to get into. Can I just tell a nice story briefly, Nicole? Sure. I don't know how funny it is, but it was very lovely. It's beautiful, perhaps, to see. Um, when we were on the cruise, I was at one point going up, and I saw, um, I was meeting up with Mike and Brendan somewhere, and I saw two kids, and they were like, you know, one like little redheaded, freckled kid, one like... I don't know what she was like, mixed race little girl. And they were probably 11 or, you know, somewhere between the 11 and 14 range. I have no idea. I'm very bad at gauging kids' age, but enough to where you'd be interested in boys or girls, right? And you could tell they met on the cruise because they were new and we were waiting for the elevators. And these two were like alone to their own devices. And so I saw this kid, man. I was so proud of him. He was like, just turning on the charm. You know what I mean? Like it reminded me of when I was a kid and would go on a cruise and you'd meet a girl and you're like, this is it. We're falling in love. And then she's like, I live in Des Moines. And you're like, see you never, you know, whatever it is. But for that week, you're like basically in a relationship and maybe at best you can like kiss. Like that would be nuts by the end of this cruise or whatever. But I saw these two and they're like, you know, he's like trying to be funny and he's just like pressing the buttons and he's like trying to make her laugh. And he's doing well. Like she's, she's like giggling and laughing like a little schoolgirl. And I took the elevator up with them. And then like, you know, I, I got off and they're like snickering to one another. And I almost, a part of me almost wanted to be like, like I wanted to be the fall guy for him. Like I wanted to put him over. Like I almost wanted to turn around 
and ask something stupid so that he could make fun of me and look cool in front of her. You know what I mean? Like I almost wanted to be like, do you guys like ice cream? Because I am starving for some chunky monkey. Or say something like so weird that they would have been like, what is this weird old guy doing? You know, or whatever the hell. And then they could have that to connect them about. Like I almost wanted to do it, but then I didn't do it. But I was smiling. I was like, these kids. Then I left. Then a couple hours later, I was going back to go wherever I was going. And I saw them again. And they were like, they were like, they weren't holding hands, but it was like very close to holding hands. And I was so excited for them. So I don't know anything about these kids. I don't know where they are. I don't know where they live now. I guarantee they live on opposite sides of the fucking country. Cause this kid looked like a little, like, you know, he looked like uh, he was on the adventures of Pete and Pete. You know what I mean? He was just like a pale skinned redheaded kid, but he was crushing with that chick. So I hope that kid worked out. I love little little kids in love, you know? Yeah, that's a really sweet story. Yeah, it was very sweet. Speaking of sweet, let's do a quick final Mike's movie breakdowns of the movie Coda, which I watched last night. Nicole, have you seen Coda? No, I don't think I know what that is. It is um, leading the charge for essentially to win everything at the Oscars on Sunday. But by the time this comes out, it probably will have won Best Picture. And maybe um, maybe one of the best actors, but it is a story about um, a woman, a, a girl, a, a high school girl who lives in Massachusetts with her family, and her entire family is deaf, but her. So that is a um, CODA stands for Children of Deaf Adults, I guess is the word or something like that. So she has uh, she's got the brother, and they're like it's like a fishing town outside of Boston and they're all fishermen. So she wakes up at 3 a.m., goes fishing with them, sells their fish, helps them translate everything. Then she goes to high school and turns out she just loves to sing. And the father who looks like, I swear to God, I couldn't get past it. He looks like Dave Portnoy from Barstool Sports. I said that too. I I remember we saw the trailer for this and I said the same thing to Chris. Yeah, he looks like old Dave Portnoy. Uh, It's crazy. Put up a picture of them next to each other. Please, it's crazy. And so um, he, which that guy was fantastic at it. And the whole movie, it's got, you know, it's got everything. It's kind of almost, it feels like a little bit like a Mr. Holland's Opus remake reversal kind of a thing where because in Mr. Holland's Opus, only the kid was deaf. Um, but it is a, uh, it's a great movie and she wants to be a singer. And so she starts studying to sing and she she ends up going, joining choir and doing a duet with this guy, the boy that she likes and she's nervous and she's trying, it's like a coming of age thing while also kind of reaching there. And then the the music person's like, I'm going to try and get you into Berkeley. But now she has to make this choice between like helping her family with the fishing or helping or pursuing her own thing. And obviously they're like, why are you singing? Like, we don't like, we don't even know what singing is. Like, are you good at singing? Like, we can't even tell. So it becomes this whole thing. But let me just tell you, there are some scenes in that where like, I mean, Erica was, she's, the way she described it was, I couldn't breathe. She was like bawling, essentially. It's, it's, if you don't get at least choked up or get some tears working in you, it might be time to check in with a therapist, a therapist. Cause it is, um, it's, a, it's one of the, it's not like a sad, movie it's like a it's a happy cry it's a happy cry movie and you know parts of it were a little felt a little like meet cute or like forced or like the typical coming of age movie you've seen but i will say the last like 30 minutes of that movie without giving any spoilers away you're like hell yeah like that's great like it's a good happy 
movie. I would highly recommend uh, everybody go see it. So I'm going to give it, what was my ranking system? Uh, Stinker or Delight? Yeah, you know what? Coda, Feeney's Delight. Absolutely, go see it. Um, it was great. And I don't even know if I talked about Batman, but same with Batman. Go see Batman. Uh, it was, did you see Batman? Uh, not yet, but I think we're going to try and see it this weekend if it's still nice. kicking. Oh, I'm sure it will be. It's, it's killing it. Um, here's something that's dumb and I don't know how to address this, but uh, I never know when to get a car wash in the winter. You know? Do you feel that way, Nicole? Like, something about the winter where I go, it doesn't feel like my car could be filthy and I go, well, it's about to snow, or it's about to be slushy, it's going to rain. Like, I, I, it's too cold to get a car wash. Like, the water's going to freeze. Like, I don't know what it is. I'm so bad at getting the car washed in the rain, I, in, the, in the winter. I just got it washed last week. Of course, the next day, just torrential downpours, undid everything. But it feels, uh, it feels really great when you get a car wash. It feels like your, your car is renewed. There's something good about it where you go, Man, every time I leave a car wash, I go, I should do these more. I feel bad for my car. It's like it's like bird shit all over. Then I get one and I'm like, oh, this car looks great. This car's great. It's like a 10-year-old car. It looks fantastic for how good it is because once it gets waxed and all, you know, and washed and all that other stuff. Um, do you feel that way? Is that just a crazy thing I think of? Like especially in the winter. I never know when. I feel like it's it's never the right time. Yeah, it's tough because I feel like there's constantly just like salt or salt. dirt or something yeah. that's staining the car. Sludge, some kind of a thing. But it turns out it's like, it's kind of like taking a shower, you know? You're going to get dirty again, but it doesn't hurt to get clean even for only a day, you know? Like that's kind of the, maybe that's the lesson that I've learned. Wow, look at me learning. Um, Now, there's, uh, I'm going to... I have this other story I want to tell, but we have to get into Nicole teased a hell of a story <laughs> on the way here. And I'll give you the full five word tease. Something died in my apartment. And so from there, Nicole, take it away. I mean, this is really, I don't even know where to begin. It's not that big of a story. We just like make it epic. I'll do my best. It's this, this is the penultimate story of the final episode of Snarky. There is a lot of pressure on you to bring it. And with the with the Ron Swanson and the and the kidney stone story, you're two for two, okay? Yeah, but this one doesn't really have an ending yet. So I or don't doesn't. really Yeah, we'll see. But the other day I like smelled something weird in my apartment and was like, hmm, this sort of smells like a dead rodent, which for now, me, I have some experience with what that smells like. You do. And now let me ask you just to cover the ba- the questions that we're all asking. You did remove Stripe from your apartment, correct? I did. Okay. I did. So it is not that. Okay. No, it's it's none of my pets. But I did say, hmm, this sort of smells like a dead rodent. So as one does, I just pretended like that never happened and just kind of like continued with my day. Sure. Um, And the next day, Chris came back from tour. He's been gone for like weeks. And- was walking around and was like, what is that smell? And I'm like, um, and the second I started to say it, like I saw him, like the realization come over his face and I was like, why? He's like, I think something died. So we were like, shit, now we have to kind of like figure out where this could be coming from. Right. And it seems to be coming from like a certain area, but the problem is it's like where our laundry is. So we don't know 
where in that area it could be. If it's under something, if it's in something. You didn't check underneath like the washer dryer or like, I thought, I figured it was going to be like in the wall. You're saying it's like, it's just under something probably. Well, I don't really know. I mean, it's possible that it's in the wall, but that seems like a worse thing. So we're supposed to be getting our like laundry replaced anyways, probably tomorrow. And I am fearful that like some two dudes like from Home Depot that are replacing these are going to find a dead animal in yeah, there. Tip them well. Be like, oh, I didn't, that's what that smells. Can you take that guy out on the way with you? He was an extra 20. Yeah, but I, I don't even know. It's freaking me out so much and I feel like I smell it everywhere I go. Like I was on the train and felt like a residual smell of dead something. Oh. And I told that to Chris. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I can barely smell it in here anymore. So I don't know. And I just keep referring to it as the corpse because I just don't really know what to call it. And he really hates that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I get it. Um, But I, I do like that it's because it is funny because you have the whatever they are, like hypochondriac tendencies or whatever, or the overthinker gene. So it is fun to think of you <laughs> on the subway being like, I smell it. They all know. They all know. I smell like it's like that. Uh, what's that Shakespeare? Uh, what's that Shakespeare book where it's like the. Are you thinking like, of Poe? Yes, Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. Where is it? The, the Telltale, telltale heart, heart, yeah. It's the beating of the hideous heart. That's exactly what it is. Like, I feel like everywhere I go in my home, I can smell it. It's like, what is it, under the floorboards or something? The heart or yeah, something yeah. like that? It's exactly that. I, mean, I how smell good it everywhere I go. of a fucking <laughs> heartbeat was that? I mean... That makes me feel like I'm going to have a panic attack. Like, you know when in, like, movie trailers, they, like, play the heartbeat or yeah, breathing? And it, it goes... It, I don't like that at all. <laughs> wow. But yeah, so something's dead. I'll I'll keep you posted. Obviously, this is probably the worst story to end on because there's no fucking ending. So it's yeah, just yeah. a cliffhanger and no one will ever know. But this is I'm great. sure there's something dead. Sure. All right. Well, something's dead in Nicole's apartment. If we find out later that her boyfriend has been on a wild killing spree and not on the road at all, and he's been hiding parts of the body underneath the washer and dryer and just trying to get her to not get off the scent by being like, I don't even smell anything anymore. By the way, don't open the fridge. I get, it's where I keep my heads. Well, that's um, then- funny you say that too, because I tried to like bring that up in conversation to him. And again, he was like not having it. But I was like, do you know how like, there's always these stories of how they find bodies, like the neighbors reported some kind of smell and yeah. then like this whole thing. So then I was starting to like, question everything about our neighbors. You should absolutely report it to someone, like to your landlord for, I mean, abs- like it, the fact that you're not is wild because it could be, <laughs> it could just be an old lady fell and bumped her head and is dead next door to you. And it's seeping through the vent that the, the washer and dryer comes through. So like you should be reporting. It's, it's borderline suspicious. So you're not supporting it. It almost feels like you are slightly worried. It could be your boyfriend and you're not sure whether you want to turn a minion or not, but um, definitely like be like, even if it's like a, Hey, something's dead. It might be in the walls. And then he'll be like, Oh no, it's underneath the washer. And then whatever it is, what it is. But, um, yeah, suspect for sure. Um, now Nicole, this is a good thing I think to end on, which is again. And again, thank you everybody who supported this show throughout this little, this little churn, this little churny, this churny, this train churned on and took on a churny. Ah, I shouldn't have had the extra margarita. Chugga, chugga. Chugga, chugga. You said you got to think about like last days of like, you know, any last day stories that you have and stuff like that to be apropos for the end of the podcast, which 
I didn't really have many, but I thought of this one, and I think it is quite nice. Which, because for this, if you think about this show, it's like, yes, this show might be ending, but I'm not going anywhere. In fact, I'm just going to be putting out more content under a different, under a different type of thing. So don't worry your little head any, about anything. But I do love this. This is my favorite last day um, story, which is I was at, I was in high school, and every year for high school, there is a tradition in my high school where there would be a food fight on the last lunch of the year. And the seniors would start it, and it would cause a big food fight, and it would be awesome, okay? Because the way my cafeteria was broken down was like, senior sat over here, freshman sat over, over on the other corner, and then mixed in between was the rest. So, so they kind of had like this, their own little section, you know? So the, there was a lot of rumor of this going around, and we had a new principal that had kind of taken over uh, through my high school career. So he was like the new principal for this thing. And he got wind of the tradition. And I suppose was not a fan, but all of us, I remember all of us talking about it being like today, 1215, we're going to start the, we're going to do the food fight. We're going to do the food fight. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be awesome. And in homeroom at like 1030, they go, the principal came on the loudspeaker and he goes, I just want to make an announcement. Any seniors, that are caught participating in any sort of food fight or any sort of disruption from lunch will not be allowed to walk at graduation. And they said that, and all of us were like, they're not going to do anything. But secretly, we were all like, fuck, fuck, that's so bad. That's such a ridiculously perfect punishment to stop me from doing something. You know what I mean? Like, it was like, you couldn't have picked a better, like if he was like detention, we would all have been like, who gives a shit? You know? So we go, I'll, I'll remember this for the rest of, it's one of my clearest high school memories. We're in, we're in the lunch. It was like Italian day or something at the cafeteria. So spaghetti was like served and we all had our plates. And for the first time that I can remember in high school, I checked all like five exits to the cafeteria and all of them had like either a teacher or security or like a principal. Like they all had people like manned at everything, like watching us like a hawk. So there was palpable tension inside this cafeteria. And I, I remember getting my plate. I had the spaghetti and all this other stuff and I spaghetti and meatballs. And I like sit down and everyone's just looking around at each other. There's that Fucking, it felt quieter than most lunches that I remember. Or maybe that was in my head, but it felt more like you could feel the tension of like, is something going to go down? It was, a, it was a pressure cooker. And I think like, you know, it, it, it's quiet for a little while. And then eventually one kid, one hero decides I'm going to be the motherfucker. I'm going to be the guy. and he stands up onto the he stands up on like he takes his he takes a fist full of spaghetti and meatball like squeezes it. i remember seeing it like come out like play-doh out of his fingers squeezes it stood on the seat of the of this chair and just went food fight and like threw it and it was like it was like in in like a movie, in like a medieval times movie where those fireballs like come over the mountaintop and like land. 
and he fucking threw it and it went flying and then it landed on a table and like splattered people around and every single senior was like, I actually, I, I would rather walk at graduation, thankfully. And then nobody joined in. Nobody, nobody joined this kid and they took him out literally by his arms and he was like, wait, no, guys, guys. And he, they were pulling him out of the cafeteria. And I never saw him again to this day. I don't know what happened to him. I never saw him at graduation, obviously. And I haven't seen him since. I don't know what happened to that kid. He's a goddamn legend. If you were St. Anthony's class of 2005 and you started that food fight, please reach out to me. I need to put you on a podcast or something. Got to get you in there. Because his whole life has changed. Like <laughs> I don't even know what happened to him after that. He probably felt no trust in human beings after that. He, it, it, his peers, he didn't get to walk at graduation. His parents were probably pissed. They probably sent him to military school. He might be in Afghanistan. He might have been shooting people. I don't know. Like I don't know what's going on, but the man's gone. Uh, and so there's another little mystery to end this show on, but the greatest food fight story I've ever seen in my life. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, thank you very much for watching Snarky. This has been fun. I've, I've truly, honestly loved this. Like a lot of the preparation for this has been a nightmare, but recording this, when we're doing this, has been so much fun and I really enjoy it. And I'm sure in some form or another, maybe someday this comes back, maybe it comes back in another form, but uh, don't freak out, you know, life will be good. And I'll just keep doing the next thing and support the next thing that I do, please. That's what we're doing now. I'm just trying, that's the kind of the fun thing about the internet age. We all get to just kind of, Test and go, it's like a buffet. Go, let me try this for a little while. Oh, that's pretty good. Okay, now what about this? Now what about this? And then eventually, you know, it'll be, uh, it'll be what it'll be and I'll have a nice little body of work for you guys to enjoy. So thank you, everybody, sincerely and honestly for watching Snarky. Uh, you're the best. Never say never. Maybe it'll come back, but probably not. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> the drink is done. I hope you've learned how to make some good cocktails, some rant. Remember to... Remember to keep those fuck that people and uh, fuck that person and leave that person alone. Remember to do that. Remember to fucking go watch some movies. Nicole, do you have any uh, parting words for our for our listeners? No, I think you hit it. Thank you guys so much. It's been a blast. Yes. Thank you very much. And uh, hey, cheers. <laughs> <laughs>